The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. to the 145th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. Yes, you hear that right. I am your host today, Floyd Johnson. I am subbing on uh, as the host for Mr. Austin Sumowitz, who, if some of you may know, he pretty much is he's a sportscaster. He's a sports reporter. And, yeah, this is one of the busiest weeks of the year if you work in sports. Uh, he is covering March Madness for the state of Michigan. So he's been busy. He's been tired. So his voice pretty much gave out from all the stuff he had to do. So he said, Floyd, I need you to, you know, take over, find someone else to do it this week. And I was like, okay. And there's only one person I call. This is going to come as a shock to no one. Our frequent collaborator, my boy, my WrestleMania travel buddy, he is the FTR Express hair to my FTR Express ball, Mr. J.R. Perez. How are you doing today, J.R.? I'm doing great, and it is a very busy time in sports. Essentially, beginning Wednesday, you had NFL free agency. You had Major League Baseball spring training. You had the first two rounds of NCAA March Madness that's ending uh, that started Thursday that would end today. So it was a busy five days for our boy Austin. So uh, hope that voice recovers so we can get back to our our routine for next week. So uh, the reason um, I, we would have skipped this week without Austin, you know how I feel about doing shows without my boy, the silky smooth voice of Austin Sumowitz, but. Big happenings in AEW this week, so we had to do a show. You had to get our spicy hot takes, and you had to. We had to talk about our new champion. So uh, that's gonna go through. We're gonna jump in real quick, but right before we jump in, want to make sure you're downloading this show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Please leave a late rating or review when uh, available. Also, make sure if you feel so inclined and you're loving us that day, leave a donation through Red Circle. Please sort, uh, support us by following at AT Elite Pod, uh, at Social Suplex, at Austin Sumowitz. His last name is spelled S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Where can they find you, Jr.? 
You can find me on Twitter at, at Lucha Professor. That is at Lucha Professor on Twitter. All right. Well, that's we, we done warmed you up, and now it's time to actually just jump right into wrestling. The big news of the week is Elite-ish, as in Tony Khan is the owner of ROH, and he's the owner of AEW. And the match that he made includes someone from AEW. So I, we got two big mid-match announcements this week. First match we're going to talk about is, and this is not going to happen in AEW ring, it's going to happen in the New Japan ring at uh, Windy City. Is it called Windy City Showdown? I believe that is correct. Yes, uh, we're going to get John Mikesley wrestling against Will Ospreay. Uh, if you can, go to Will Ospreay's page and watch his promos to John Moxley. They were very entertaining. Uh, but we're going to get John Moxley versus Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay giving John Moxley cut a promo too. Didn't make Will Ospreay too happy, so make sure you go into their... Uh, it's at New Japan World. NJPW World, I believe. Is the uh, Twitter page to go to or NJPW Global, excuse me, or NJPW World. You should see the links there. But very exciting matchup. Uh, I believe that is taking place on April oh, April 16th. Is it a Saturday? Yeah. All right. And But before then, the bigger announcement. The real deal, Holyfield. The reason I am, you might hear my voice and I am super excited and I'm doing a countdown and I was shaking when I found out. So me and JR, as as I announced, are going to be at WrestleMania weekend. We had our old weekend planned out. Thursday, WrestleCon. Friday, WrestleCon, we were going to do the New Japan show and then we were going to do the Impact show. Saturday, we were going to be at WrestleCon until it was time to go to WrestleMania. And then Sunday, just pretty much sleep in, go get some barbecue, WrestleMania. That was our plan for the week. But Big TK, my, my, my guy, the guy that comes through in the clutch, gave your boy Floyd a, team, a dream match. Especially announced by FTR through a beautiful promo by Dax and Cash. You can go to either one of their pages to see this. We are getting FTR versus the Briscoes at the Ring of Honor Super Show WrestleMania weekend. Saturday, I mean, it'll be Friday, April 1st at 7 o'clock. Let's fucking go. JR, I sent you the message and I was like, you know what this means, right? Because I've been, you know what? I am a, the way we travel between me and JR are, is he's a planner. He's like planning, he's planning his trip to New Japan in 2025 already. That's what, that's what JR does. He's a planner. Me, I generally have a plan, but I kind of like, hey, something long comes better. I fly by the seat of my pants. But for this WrestleMania trip, because I'm tro- rolling with JR, I was like, I'm not going to change any of our plans. We're going to stick to what we did. Because you know what? I am accommodating. But there was one exception to that rule. One exception. I said, if they announce FTR and the Briscoes, I will be there. D- is that correct, JR? Yes, that is correct. I, one exception. And this week... Tony Khan gave me a Christmas present, a birthday present, 
whatever you want to call it. And we got FTR and the Briscoes. I need to know how excited you are, JR. So this Friday, Friday was just a crazy chaotic day and with with work and planning. And I get this message in, from from Floyd Johnson, my good buddy. And it's just his Ring of Honor Supercard. Whole, uh, the the Colon Center in Garland, Texas, FTR, the current AAA Tag Team Champions, multi-time Tag Team Champions versus the multi-time current Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, Briscoe Brothers, and it's one of those things where you you wanted it to happen, you felt it was going to happen, but you didn't know when it was going to happen, and it's just like you're hoping it was going to be soon, and uh, especially when they collided. Uh, when FTR made a surprise appearance at the final battle show back in uh, Maryland at the end of uh, 2021. And it's just one of those things where it just, it just feels right because two, you know, the Briscoe brothers have been, you know, probably the most, you know, by far the most famous tag team in Ring of Honor history. Their career speaks for themselves Ring of Honor. FTR is the proverbial, you know, one of the greatest tag teams in the history and everything they've done, and they want to accumulate, you know, tag team champions in multiple organizations. They want to go down as the greatest of all time. And um, you just want things where you just don't have words for it because, you know, the term dream, dream matches or fantasy booking or super fights gets thrown around loosely. But, you know, for such a long time, the Briscoe brothers, have been at the top and FTR came along in the last decade. And it's just one of the things where you didn't know if it was going to happen. And because when FTR was doing their thing, the revival in WWE, but now that they're in AEW and AEW's partnership, you know, from new Japan and then, um, you know, what they do with AAA and now with Tony Khan, uh, being the owner of ring of honor, this this is a way for whatever Ring of Honor is going to do in the future. This is a good way to kickstart that by kind of ending the one legacy and beginning a new legacy. Yes, and I am excited. I have taken uh, in the last few years. I have taken many pictures with FTR, and I've taken a couple pictures with the Briscoes and both times when I said, it, I didn't say a lot, but I did say if you and FTR, I told the Briscoes, if you and FTR do the thing, if I have two weeks notice, I will be there. I told FTR, if you and the Briscoes do the thing and I have two weeks notice, I'll be there two weeks to the day that it was going to happen. They announced it. Not saying they did it for me in no way. It, I, I imagine it was just a coincidence to build up that when I was even looking at the tickets, like the lower levels were gone and a real close to it. But, you know, some of the upper levels weren't selling that well. So, you know, they put the announcement out there to maybe move some tickets. I understand it. But it's just that weird coincidence that there is ex was exactly two weeks that I could had time to make the change. Because guess what? If we were there on Friday and we were going to New Japan, and they announced it that day, There, there's no way I could have made that happen. I wouldn't have put anybody in that situation. I would have just stuck with the plans that I had. But we had two weeks, and it's so awesome. Shout out to my boy, 
uh, Balor Club guy or Balor guy, he was selling tickets. Uh, section like the 100 section, first row of the 100 section on the aisle, the perfect seats for me and JR. Picked those seats up, just pretty much face value. Uh, picked up those seats, very excited to be going there. I'm like, let's go. I am like, I am giddy. I have posted like eight times, 18 times about this match. I am. I, I couldn't sleep because I am so excited to see this match go down. It's the dream matches. I was got to be there for FTR to win the AEW titles. I got to be there for them to wrestle the Young Bucks. Now, I actually got to see them for another dream match of mine when it uh, they wrestled Pride and Pro- Proud and Powerful. Now I get to be there to watch the Briscoes. And, man, that is just a great way to be. I like. I know this is not exclusively AEW, but it's in the family. So we're going to jump right back, right into Dynamite, because, you know, I could talk about that forever. And that's not what you, if you're, you're tuning in, that's not what you're tuning in for. You're looking for the break. You're looking for the breakdown of AEW Dynamite uh, and uh, Rampage this week. So that's what we're about to do. Um, So uh, let's see. St. Patrick's Day Slam results. March 16, 2022. I am going to do my best to do right by uh, uh, Austin and get us through this fairly quickly. But let's go. First opening match. You start off with the opening. You start off with a banger. Where AEW's back to going straight to matches. Uh, trios match. The AEW World Champion and the AEW Tag Team Champions, Hangman Adam Page and Jurassic Express. Uh, Jurassic Express versus Adam Cole, Baby, and Red Dragon, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly. Jim Ross announces a sellout from San Antonio, Texas, the home of Thunder Rosa. And what did you think of this match, sir? I mean, um, it's one true. The trio matches in AEW, especially with um, when you have a talent like Jurassic Express and and the amazing tag team Red Dragon is. You add in your Adam Page and Adam Cole. It's one of those ones where I don't want to say your it's your typical trios match because that's that's not the the right terminology I want to use, but it's just you when you get these type of matches from AEW, you get it the typical great spots, great moments, high flying action, great wrestling, and it's just one of those things where I just when I see these type of trio matches, I'm like, it's just time for them to have the trios tag team because tag team division because they do it very well. Um, I, by far, I think the best, in my opinion, the best I've seen as far as trios tag team um, in in North America. So I think it's time they have they have the roster for it. They have the tag teams for it. They have the trios tag team for it. So. I think it's time to start to do it, and uh, it's going to be amazing. But um, I loved it, and it just continues the storyline between Adam Cole and Adam Page. Yes, I thought this match was amazing. At this one point, we got uh, a double doomsday device with um, Jungle Boy using Luchasaurus' hand to springboard off the top ropes and hit the double double clothesline. And then at uh, one point in the match, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish 
got Luchasaurus and Hangman on the outside of the ring. They end, and then hit her chasing the dragon. And then uh, Adam Cole followed up with the boom. And he got a clean one, two, three over Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy hadn't been pinned in a long time. And he had been red hot. Jim Ross did his best to get that over. And Adam Cole with the clean victory over him. So we're going to see what that leads to. I imagine we're going to see a tag team, straight up tag team match for Red Dragon and a straight up title match for uh, um, Adam, well, another title match for Adam Page coming down in the future. I don't know if that's what exactly is going to happen. You know, they like to throw a curveball every now and then, but that's where it looks like it's uh, headed. You know, uh, it's going to, it's in your neck of the wood, I believe. It's in, it is in Dallas, in the, the same arena where Ring of Honor, uh, Supercar of Honor is happening in Garland, Texas. Uh, Battle of the Belt is coming in October. I'm excited, mean, October, excuse me, I apologize, April 16th. That's when I expect there to be uh, um, Adam Cole versus uh, Adam Page for the a rematch. Yes, that will be my first AEW show in the Curtis Colwell Center that I won't be at. My first one. So that'll be pretty it'll be pretty crazy if that's the one. That's why I kept being afraid that I you know, I found out this week that it was never gonna happen, but I kept getting afraid that we were gonna get the FTR and the Briscoes on that show. But we found out this week that was never going to happen. You know, Briscoes are not going to be in AEW. But, hey, ROH is there. But, yeah, very excited. Uh, I love the end of this match. Jim Ross basically says they have unfinished business, no doubt about it. I need, you know, that lets you know where it's going. Uh, Shivani was backstage with Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs and absolute Ricky Starks. Uh, basically, Starks told Keith Lee, you come to Rampage, we're going to whoop your ass. And uh, Lee said, said, you mean like when I slapped you like a little bitch? And, uh, and yeah, we'll see. He's like, I don't need to have no one to have my back. You know, that kind of thing. So we were building up towards Rampage at that point. Then we got the next match. We got John Moxley and the American Dragon about Ryan Daniels. Danielson with William Regal on commentary versus Chuck Taylor and Willa Uter with Trent Beretta, Orange Cassidy, and Danhausen in there. Uh, so the match went as you expect this match to go, but the one part I want to focus on is Willa Utah. They did everything in this match except let him win to get Willa Uta over. He got the better of Ryan Danielson and John Moxley on very many different occasions until he eventually, you know, eventually tapped out. Uh, the, the story of this match is what happened on the way back is when he was heading to the back, Willa Uta seemed to put his head down and pretty much offer his services to the William Regal-led faction with uh, Danielson and uh, Danielson and Mox, and when he stuck out his hand, William Regal is doing what is going to be seems like the symbol of acceptance in this group. He slaps the shit out of Willie Uta. Willie Uta then gets mad like he's gonna beat up Regal. Brian Danielson with that smirk on his face and Moxley kind of step in front of him like, uh, "You don't want to smoke." And so, I gotta ask Jr. All of this. What did you think of Yuta's performance? That's the first question. Second question, is he going to be joining the group? You know, I, I know this is a, it's hard for people to believe, but there is, there is 
the opportunity and ability to get over in a loss. And that's what you saw with Will Uter, uh getting over even though he did not get the victory with this team. Um, Willard is somebody that I actually seen before he became an AW on the independent circle. I thought he was a great wrestler. I thought he had a great, a good look to him. Um, and you heard those comparisons. Like this is a guy that's kind of like a Brian Danielson type, uh, uh, type wrestler where he's, you know, he's not flashy, but he's going to get it done with his ring work ability. And I think he fits perfect into this group. I don't know, you know, kind of the way it ended. It was kind of just interesting, but, and we know AEW loves themselves some factions. This is something where you can see if he joined Willard, you know, joins uh, Brian Danielson, John Moxley, they have big plans for him. I think in this particular group, compared to any other faction that AEW already has and established, this is something where I think they look at this is a person that could be a future champion for us. This is, this is I'll leave it at this, this is the group where, this is a new group that would find your next Sammy Guevara type wrestler. Yeah, uh, I think I, I, Yuta was one of the people I bookmarked. He really does not, he, as much as he's been with the breast fans and they've done a good job getting his name out there, his wrestling style and who he is as a wrestler never fit with their characters, their gimmick. Just, he was kind of like, he was the wrestler of the group. Then, uh, so he does fit with Daniel Bryan and Moxley. Another name I want to see in that group, Lee Moriarty. I just think it's important. He is such a talented individual. Uh, he he could get some shine in that group too. It, it's kind of cool. It's like this faction that's going to have the two main guys, and then they're going to have, I wouldn't call them young boys, but younger guys that they're uh, preparing to fight, and I just love the idea of the violence. And speaking of violence, Brian Danielson has a new shirt out this week. White shirt says violence, eco-friendly shirt. So I'm thinking the group's going to have some name like that. I don't know. if They're definitely not going to have a cute name. Whatever name that they come up with is going to be straight, simple, to the point. It would be kind of crazy if their nickname, if their name is just violence. You know, so... Uh, Regal Goon. I'll, I'll go with Regal Goon, too. I like that one. So, um, yeah. So, that's this that part of this show. On to the next part of the show. We then... Oh, yeah. The fans chanted Yuta. I wanted to get that apart. It's like Yuta was really over in that section. Uh, backstage, we get our boys, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. We're with Tony Schiavone and... He asked about FTR's firing of Tully Blanchard. They tried to clean it up this week. Uh, Tully lost his focus, and when you lost your focus, you get fired. They said there was something they were thinking about for a while. Basically, they cleaned it up. They did a good job of, well, I would say they did a job of cleaning it up. I don't know if it was good or bad, but Tully's gone. The, the Young Bucks come, and they say, maybe you, should, you, you guys should fire your current stylists as well. You can hire the best manager in the world or the best manager there is, but deep down inside, you always know you're going to be the second best tag team in AEW. 
the internet blew up over that line. The best tag, uh, best uh, manager there is. They blew up over that line. Everyone taking it as a hint that FTR was about to is about to get Bret Hart to manage them. And if you look at this promo, they were definitely in the face role, getting bullied by the Young Bucks. Sir, what did you think about this? It's funny. Um, sometimes with the internet, if you give them an inch, they're gonna take the old mile with their with their theories. But um, FTR with the potential of getting Brightheart as their manager, I think would be an amazing get for AEW. And FTR, I think it brings in a new level, um, like a new dimension, a new dimension to them, because they've always been the the proverbial hill tag team. They've always been like the Andersons um, or Tolly and Arn in, from the NWA, and they've never worked babyface. They've never worked as good guys. So now going into this new possibility of them being a you know, a baby-based tag team with one of the greatest wrestlers in the history of, you know, the sport that you and I follow would definitely put them on the right track to get over as baby faces. I think it'd be different, though. I don't think they'd be your, like, they're not going to be your Ricky the Dragon, your Sting-type baby face, or even a Bret Hart baby face, for that matter. I think they're going to be, you know, kind of like, you know, Bret Hart's one of his best rivals ever, they're going to be more like a stone cold type baby face where they're going to be, you know, kind of like that tweener, but they just are going to always get cheered because of who they are, what they can do with the ring and then having Bret Hart as their manager. So from what I've heard right behind the scenes, as we kind of like to do, I heard it's something that, that they want. I don't know Bret Hart's interest into it, but the only thing I did heard is that he will, that he's obviously that he won't be baby. He won't be a heel and he just can't be a heel. I mean, that guy, the respect he gets, especially what he would get from that crowd and every wrestling crowd, there's no way that you'd be able to boo that man. It'd be like booing Santa Claus. And that only happens in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, this is going to be interesting because I've really never seen them as full on baby faces. So them trying to be baby face. I want to, it's cool. It's going to be a part of a weird thing for me to say a part of FTR. I've never seen because, you know, I've watched them so much. I usually get to see it all. So uh, definitely looking forward to this. Uh, I can't wait to see if uh, Cash doing a hot tag and that, well, what he does with that. Uh, Brett in the corner. Oh, my God. Uh, let me just say, they probably had these plans in the works for months, weeks, or whatever. But it's just, you know, when it comes to me, if – uh, I, I talk about like destiny and how things worked out. It is a huge coincidence, huge coincidence. I meet them in, I meet them in Orlando. I give them the picture with Brett and them all wearing the pink and black. I even say to cash, if you watch the video at Floyd Johnson jr, it's my pinned video. I even say, man, it would be so cool. Is the next time you fight the young bucks, Brett Hart comes down to the ring with you. That was all said right then. And Cash said, man, that would be cool. That would be a dream. The next week, the next show, they fired Tully. The next week after that show, they're talking about uh, 
They're, they're, they're talking about the best there is kind of hitting towards Bret Hart. It's just like, it just makes this whole situation, it makes the pitcher, all that stuff, just so, so super cool if that's where it ends up heading. So it's just like, it's cool. It, it is, it's just like one of those moments. It's cool. I'll be excited if it happens. I, I'll be excited to see a new take. Because I did feel kind of like, I know they're the best tag team in AEW. You know, definitely my opinion. I know they're the best tag team. But I, uh, to, they kind of got in a position where they were kind of lost in the shuffle. I want to see them, you know, be the featured tag team in the company again. So let's see what they can do with that. Next segment, we then get the claimed. Max Caster said it was him versus Keith Lee this Friday on Rampage. Hobbs and Starks told the claim to get the job done this Friday. Swerve uh, served stick and laughed at Starks and said this was now Sir Swerve's house. So I don't. I mean, there wasn't a lot to that. Did you have any thoughts on that, sir? No, I did not. Okay. All right. Then this is Jr.'s all-time favorite segment in AEW history. We had the influence Chris Jericho basically introducing his new faction consisting of Jake Hager. Uh, Daniel Garcia in 2.0, he basically said, uh, you know, he, the, the cool line was, Earth's been around for four and a half billion years, and you're lucky enough to be alive doing the Chris Jericho ever. You're welcome for that. For over 30 years, you've been living vicariously through me with my five-star matches, riveting promos. Hell, I even build companies like this one. Without Jericho, there'd be no AEW. He then went on to say, that 2.0 is a stupid name. They won't be going by 2.0. Uh, that they will be going by their real names. And it doesn't say their real names in this breakdown. But one, the, uh, they're Matt and Jeff. One that is named Matt. His real name is Matt. But he's going to go by his actual real last name. And then I don't know what Jeff's name is. Daddy Magic is Matt. He's going to be Daddy Magic. And Jeff is going to go by his real name, Angelo Parker. He said everybody in the group is going to go by their real names. Jake Hager, Angelo Parker, Matt, Daniel Garcia, and then him, Chris Jericho. What's what's weird about that, JR? Jump in here. You know, I could be wrong, uh, but I, I'll just say I'm pretty sure that uh, his last name was Irvine. Yes, his real name is not Chris Jericho. He says everybody in the group's going by the real name, but he's not going by his real name. Unless he has had it legally turned to Chris Jericho, which, you know what, if that's the case, forgive me. But I believe his name is Chris Irvine. Whatever. Uh, I just thought that line was hilarious because it's such a heel thing to do to say that and then, you know, you know, not be your last name. So that was cool, but then he told stories about how he met all those people, how Matt and Jeff had gotten fired from WWE, and his friend Kevin, his good friend Kevin, uh, which a lot of people reference to Kevin Owens. They're you know they're all Canadians. He had them get them on the show, and they kind of impressed on the show, and they got hired by AEW. So they appreciate Jericho, Daniel Garcia, January six, two thousand. I think he said twenty. January 6, 2020, uh, Daniel Garcia was in an accident that, like, broke his leg, and he was really jacked up, and I remember this, and Jericho gave a lot of money uh, to the group to make sure he could get healthy and get back. 
two years, you know, year a year and a half later, I see him wrestle in Tampa for the first time. Like I think four months later, he's with AEW. So that's why he appreciates Jericho. And Jake Hager goes where he goes. Jake Hager is his right hand man, his closest confidant. He saved his life multiple times. So that is the story of why the uh, why the Jericho Appreciation Society exists. Now, Jr. Calm down. I need analytics, Jr. Analytical, Jr. Not angry, Jr. What did you think about this segment? Are you still there? Or are you thinking about how to be analytical and not angry? Oh, I'm sorry. I I, I dozed off because I was so bored with this segment. Um. Okay. No, seriously. Um. This this is what I'll say. Daniel Garcia. A lot of people. He's another guy like Willie Yuta. A lot of people wanted him to be a part of the Brian Danielson and um J- Jonathan Moxley faction because of his ring work ability, and you know he's. If he's with Jericho and I and I use and I'll use the same person as Sammy Guevara, he's that young guy that they see something in him, they see that he could be a potential champion. And I'm and I say champion because I'm not I don't want to put such that you know, that big world heavyweight champion. I'm I'm just saying, you know, being a champion, whether it's a tag team or TNT, but somebody they see and I think, you know, just on a quick tangent with this, like we've talked about from the moment they signed you know, AW was created. You had the elite. You had Chris Jericho. You had Jonathan Moxley. That was like your that was your core main eventers. And then you had some people, you know, around there. SCU is another one. But when you look at it, those were guys that were going to, you know, fast track three years later. They're older, and we don't know how much time they're going to still be doing their thing. So you had your pillars. They talk about Darby Allen and, and Sammy Guevara and Jungle Boy um, and MJF. And those guys have risen to the top. And now those guys are carrying champions. We've seen all, uh, you know, everybody except MJF, who MJF is, is going to be on the cusp, but, but has main evented, been champion. And now you're going to find your next, which is a guy like that could potentially be Will Yuta or Daniel Garcia. So I, I completely support him being... In this, because if you're going to be with Chris Jericho, no matter what, you're going to be featured in a prominent role every week on AEW television. 2.0 from the minute they signed with AEW have been a great team to help get other people over because I don't know the one's name. He's the bigger guy. He's just hilarious when he gets on the mic. Matt, I love, I just think he's, every time he gets on the mic, he started it. He started the the segment on the mic over over Jericho because he just does he does very well and um, on it. So it's something else where I think they needed a tag team to fill in that world to fill that role, and they found the perfect tag team. You know, I think they complement Jericho very well, um, especially Matt with his speaking abilities. Hager's Hager, you know, he's he's the heavy, and that that wasn't going to change. Um. This is something where I think we're going to know it's this is going to be a mid card, a high mid card feud. It, I don't, it's not going to, um, as we're moving forward, it's not going to overtake the world heavyweight title. Um, I don't think it'll overtake 
um, the TNT Championship. Um, like, but and when I say that, it, it won't be the same as we saw with the Pinnacle and Inner Circle last year. But this is essentially the same thing. You're going to see the Jericho Appreciation Society versus Kingston, Pride, uh, um, Proud and Powerful, and two more people. And I said it last week, and I'll say it again. You know, I, I'm actually, if I, I give it, my strong odds is a five-on-five five at Double or Nothing, and I would love to see uh, Blood and Guts at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Um but this is going to establish those guys. It's also, when I say mid-card, this is, to me, reminiscent of the WWF Attitude Era, where just because it was mid-card does not mean it's a mid-card where we see today. This is go- This is a main event mid-card type thing, where, like, if you needed it to headline a show, it would headline and do well. It, I mean, for the lack of a better comparison, Chris Jericho really is the AEW version of The Undertaker. His match, no matter where it is on the card, what he's doing is a big match. It is a featured match on the card. So, yeah. So You know what I'll, you know what I'll, I'll give it to? I think, I think a good comparison as far as faction and faction. This right here, kind of where in 1998, where WWF, after WrestleMania 14 had, that big summer feud between the nation and Degeneration X, that's where this this that's where I see the similarities. It's like it's not gonna main event a show, but if you needed to because of the star card, because of what it does, and you showed it to me, Floyd, Jericho doing this segment, not ring work, just a segment alone, increased the ratings after for AW after it dipped from the previous segment. Jericho's a draw and he's gonna give uh He's going to give all of them the rub. He's going to give the formerly 2.0 and Daniel Garcia the rub. Uh, I like Daniel Garcia on it. I love the line where he says, if you're a sports entertainer, I'm a sports entertainer, which was even better because everybody considers Daniel Garcia the pro wrestler's pro wrestler. He is the guy. That's what he does is he wrestles. So the fact that he's playing up, that they beat up sports entertainers, which is their catchphrase. Oh, actually, is their catchphrase is that's entertainment. I don't really like that. But them saying them be, they beat up uh, pro wrestlers is pretty cool. Uh, that is definitely setting up a direct conflict with Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful. Uh, then we got, let's see, make sure I didn't scroll fast too far. We got a TNT Championship match. We got Mr. Mayhem, Wardlow versus Scorpio Sky. I honestly think this match went down exactly how everyone would have planned it out, exactly how we thought it was. Wardlow dominated Scorpio Sky. He got to the point where he was doing the Powerbomb Symphony. Uh, Sean Spears came down to the ring to distract him. Um, MJF comes in from the other side of the ring, hits him in the face with the uh, the diamond uh, the diamond diamond dozen ring, and then uh, Scorpio Sky gets to roll up in the pin. Scorpio Sky retains. MJF, MJF, uh, uh, MJF, uh, Sean Spears, uh, Austin Vanderfort, and uh, Scorpio Sky then beat up Wardlow. Vanderfort actually chokes out Wardlow at a point. Chokes him down, and 
They stand over the top, and then you see the exchange of money when M- uh, MJF gives money to uh, Dan Lambert as uh, there was a deal in the works, and he wanted to get at Wardlow. So, uh, it was predictable, but I still believe it's good. Your thoughts, JR? I, you're 100% right. We already knew this was going to happen, um, because especially after last week when Wardlow cut the promo and MJF was nowhere to be seen, um, it just made all, all this sense. We knew that this was going to be the next feud. I mean... I think even, even weeks before the, the CM Punk uh, MJF Revolution Dog Hard match, I think every you and I had this conversation. I think back in God, I think it was even before the CM Punk MJF first match on Dynamite in Chicago that they were going to eventually go to a Wardlow MJF, and I said I think it was going to happen at Double or Nothing, and um, just because of the way it's it's slowly had been built, and I. The one thing I thought was funny, I know Austin Vanderford beat up Wardlow at the end, but you know, or helped beat him up. But I was like, I mean, shouldn't Dan Lambert kind of be paying MJF because technically MJF helped Scorpio's guy retain? I thought that was kind of funny, but um, it'll definitely be interesting to see how they do this. I think just the same way we saw with MJF and Jericho, you're gonna have that slow burn where he's going to be throwing obstacles in Wardlow's face. I mean, it worked. It's been working for since 2020. We saw it in 2020 with Cody. We saw it in 2021 with Jericho and we'll see it again. I mean, it actually happened twice. Jericho and CM Punk, we saw it where he kept throwing obstacles in, in CM Punk's way. And it's just, that's the way you, they, you know, you're, you're historically, um, how wrestling is with, with heels, you know, bad heels is that they throw every obstacle in the way, whether it was Rick Flair whether it was NWO, um, you know, in the '90s, whether it was the, you know, the Rock and the Corporation for WWF, it just it works and it it's it helps. It's going to help get Wardlow over. I'm as we saw a lot of the excitement what happened last year with MJF and what he did. I'd be interesting to see now that he no longer has Wardlow. Wardlow as the guy who th- he threw in everybody's way. Who's he going to throw Wardlow's way? So. I know you and I had some guesses on that, but it's going to be. Um, I think next week we're going to hear some more promos, but I think probably in two or three weeks, my guess, we're going to see Wardlow versus somebody. Absolutely. And, you know, I 100% agree with that. Uh, I think, you know, they, MJF works better with a heavy. It doesn't necessarily have to be Wardlow, so maybe they'll be doing another one. Uh, but we, we will see going forward. But I thought this segment. And this match was really good. Uh, it was setting up. It got you teased that Warlow was just about to win. He did take a little too much time. He didn't just go like his aggressive nature like he did before. He was taking time. He was soaking in the cheers. And that let them all take advantage of it. And Scorpio Scott beat Warlow. I think he's only, I think Warlow's only what? Lost three matches. I mean, the only two, three people that offend him are Cody Rhodes, CM Punk, and now Scorpio Sky. Now, I'm trying to tell you, that guy Scorpio Sky is protected, y'all. When he loses, it's going to be a big deal. Uh, then you had the Hardys versus Private Party. Sir, I would like your thoughts on this match. It was, uh, I really, um, I was really happy for Private Party. 
I mean, I've heard the story that this is a faction they looked up to, private party, as from the beginning of the creation of AEW when they debuted, was always a team that was. Um, when I saw them, I was like, they're really good, and I uh, think um, can do amazing things. I think they got hot too quickly, and I, you know, and they had to get cooled off a little bit because they got, especially with that big win they had that we talked about over the Young Bucks back in 2019. Uh, man, they just they looked really happy uh, to get in the ring. Obviously, the crowd was so into the Hardys being back. Their that nostalgia comes bringing back in. I think. There was such a long wait for the private party and what they were doing with with Matt Hardy and that Hardy family faction and whatnot to finally get to here and see private party kind of be featured is I hope nothing but good things for them coming out of this moving forward because I think they are a tremendous tag team. I think they can definitely have a run with the tag team titles for AEW. Um, I don't. I still don't believe him as a heel, but it works because um, they have that Mark Queen and Isaiah Cassidy. They have like that. Um, I'm trying to think like just that that kind of cockiness to them that they're able to bring out the heels. I like him better as babyface, but they can do it. So I know um, we'll get to later at the show what's going to be next coming up for them next week. But um, I just was really happy for them and the crowd, the, the Hardy. So I, my thing is as we keep moving forward is um, are we going to get from the Hardys kind of what we see from Sting where it's just kind of the, let me rephrase that. Are the Hardys going to be moving towards the tag team title picture or are we going to, or they're going to stay in this type of role, which I would like to stay them in this type of role because I think with them working with more tag teams, it's going to help give those tag teams more experience and um, kind of what we've seen in the same way with CM Punk, like give them a tag team, and help help them establish that tag team, just like CM Punk has done uh, when he did with Darby and what he did with MJF. Absolutely, um, I just this match happened. I, I'm not going to be negative. This match happened. I I, I feel happy for uh, I'm feel happy for uh, Private Party that they got to be in this match. I'm happy for Matt and Jeff that they get to work together again. But as far as the match, it happened. It ended. That's pretty much my thoughts on it. Uh, Last but not least, we get the women's title match. The AEW women's title match in a cage. Miss Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa is in her home in San Antonio. Uh, talk about the entrance, JR. Talk about the entrance. Uh, as somebody who is uh, Mexican, proud Mexican that I am, this entrance in that city and where a heavy... Hispanic in a heavy in a heavy Mexican population, it sent chills up and down my spine. Seeing that group of not just mariachis but but female mariachis, I can, I mean, I don't want to speak for everybody that was there in that crowd um, or people who saw it on TV, but for me, 
it reminded me of when you have a famous boxer, Canelo Alvarez, um, UFC fighter who became champion last year from the flyweight division, Brandon Moreno, uh, or King Velasquez uh, some years ago. When you have a top, um, a top Mexican person, whether it's in boxing or MMA, and in this case wrestling, and I think back again with Rey Mysterio back in 2006 in Rural, the the Latinos they come out in droves because they support one another. And then when you, especially when you get into Latinos support each other, but when you talk about your, your heritage from your country, as we are from Mexico, um, it's just that becomes even more deeper. And just like if somebody was from another, you know, every country is that way, you know, from Puerto Rico or Venezuela, you know, Venezuela, whatnot, like um, UK. So to see, that Thunder Rose are proud Mexican in that crowd, which has a heavy Mexican crowd on top of the heavy, you know, as part of the Latino crowd. It just sent chills up my spine, and she came out looking in the best gear with the with the flags of Texas and U.S. and Mexico because she's a proud Texan, she's a proud Mexican, she's a proud American um, as well, and it was just. It was everything. It's, it's everything you wanted it to be. I mean, every, I know people had complained about, you know, the revolution match being what, it, you know, the ending, but it's like, this is what, this, this was what needed to happen. Because by doing this and this crowd, you put Thunder Rosa on the biggest stage that she could have possibly been on for uh, for her to win, I, I'm trying to think of anything close to it because, um, I mean, I, like I said, I'll give you an example. It was last June in last June 2021, uh, UFC in Arizona, uh, which was another big, uh, you know, another big Hispanic uh, state uh, in Glendale, Glendale, Arizona, and Brandon Moreno came out for the opportunity to win the flyweight title. And he played his 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 song, which was uh, it's a, a Mexican song um, that was made for him. And he won the title, and that crowd lost it. And that was the same thing I felt with this one with Thunder Rosa came out. So I can keep rambling on about it, and I'll leave it there. But it was it was everything. Yes, um, yes. So Thunder Rosa makes the amazing entrance. They get into the ring. Uh, I'm going to just go through a few of the highlights. Britt Baker paid homage to Scott Hall with her ring attire. God bless Scott Hall, said Tony Schiavone. Brittany, uh, Britt uh, immediately tried to climb out the cage, but Thunder Rosa pulled her down to the mat, and then, you know, they started fighting. They were in a, a bad way. Uh, I think Britt was the first one to get open, busted open. Uh Thunder Rosa hits a big stunner on Britt Baker and followed up with a double knee strike to the champ. Thunder Rosa gouged B Baker's forehead. Baker cracked Thunder Rosa with the back elbow. Baker rocked tall Turner with a mistimed super kick. Thunder Rosa nailed Britt Baker with the Thunder Rosa uh, Thunder Driver. Uh, I'm just going to skip for a little bit. Uh, uh, basically, it got to a point where Britt Baker was on, uh, on top. 
uh, Excalibur Kang with Britt is looking not only to end the night, but to end the career of Thunder Rosa. Britt and Thunder Rosa slug it out on top of the turnbuckles. Thunder Rosa rammed Britt's head, head, head first into the steel cage. Uh, she fell backward and her spine crashing into a stack of steel chairs that Britt Baker had stacked up. Uh, Thunder Rosa then got a desperation super kit from Britt Baker. Pulled out a th uh, bag of thumbtacks. And this was kind of the story of the match. From underneath the ring and then spilled them on the canvas. Thunder Rosa countered out. But Baker back body dropped under on Rosa onto the uh, thumbtacks for a near fall. Baker transitioned and tried to apply the lockjaw. But Thunder Rosa Brit bit down on Britt's hands. Thunder Rosa powerbomb uh, Baker into the thumbtacks. Uh... Baker cracked uh, Thunder Rosa with the steel chair. Thunder Rosa rallied back with the Thunder Fire Driver into the thumbtacks and pinned Britt Baker. And your winner and new AEW Women's Champion, I believe the fifth AEW Women's Champion, Thunder Rosa. JR, your thoughts. Um. So quickly about the match is... The what I I wonder this um, if you Floyd uh, if you remember the steel cage for AEW completely engulfs the ring uh, from the first time we've seen it. You and I, we, uh, you were there. Oh, let me phrase that. You, were you there when Wardlow went against Cody in Georgia? I was not in Atlanta. I just okay. watched it on the screen. Well, you and I were there for, we were both there when Young Bucks versus uh, uh, Lucha Bros all out with the, I think that was the second cage match if you don't count uh, Blood and Guts. Correct. The, the ring, the cage completely engulfs the ring, but it engulfs it to where a situation where the cage is literally like, uh, is right next to the apron. So like, there's no, there's no room. And in this particular situation, uh, I don't know, if, like, if they got. I mean, I they did. I mean, it was a smaller, it was a smaller ring, and I wonder if that was done intentionally to allow for these additional spots of like the cage for the the steel chairs and the thumbtacks, uh, because there you if you go look at pictures, go look at the blood and guts pictures, look at Cody versus Wardlow, look at Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros. That that doesn't happen because it, it is flush. That's the correct word. It is flush with the apron all the way down. Um, so I um, I wonder if that was done, you know, intentionally to for for these particular moments. Um, it was a good match for me. I I would I would have liked and just being a little bit of you know one you know. Monday morning quarterback, I would have done maybe a little bit less of the hardcore still still chairs thumbtack spots because we've had that in like in a lights out match and I would have just say okay let's see you let's see you do a cage match with the cage match chemistry that we you know that you can do that's just me now I'm not trying to take anything away from them um, I just. I would have liked to make a different match because it felt very similar to the Lights Out match, kind of when you start adding those other elements. Um, I wonder what, and moving forward, I'm so happy for Thunder Rosa. I think Thunder Rosa, because of her history with Britt, because of uh, Britt's heel ability, because of 
Um, and because of Thunder Rosa being a baby face again in the right moment with that crowd was a perfect person to beat her. Um, so now we go, what's next? What's next for her? And I think, I, I don't think you do the immediate rematch. Um, you could, you could do that battle for the belts. Cause that'd be your, you know, they're basically one and one in official matches. So you could do that and you would get another big crowd because it is going to be in Texas this time, as you and I mentioned in the Dallas, Texas area, instead of being the San Antonio area in a few weeks. Um, I would like to get back to Serena versus Serena D versus Thunder Rosa, because as you know, Serena D defeated Thunder Rosa for the NWA Women's Championship uh, some time ago. And for Britt, um, I would love for, I think we're going to eventually get similar to what we saw with MJF Wardlow, uh, Britt Baker versus a Jamie Hader feud. Absolutely. I agree with all of that. I, I do think Serena Deeb or someone like her should be that uh, first challenger. I am looking forward to the Thunder Rosa title reign. Uh, you, all y'all know, she's she's that's my girl in AEW. I've been, uh, been following Thunder Rosa uh since she i was she was one of the people that i wanted to sign then when she signed i was like okay that's that's my favorite and she came in and she put on a great match shout out to Britt baker oh my god that that uh woman is willing to kill herself to entertain the world i want to just tap hats off to both of them what they put themselves through uh people saying that it was too bloody people saying that the thumbtacks weren't fake or blah 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 all I can say is, you know what? I got to ask, would you question it? Do you question the men when they do stuff like that? I, I have to ask. That's the uncomfortable question. Because I've never heard this in a hell in a cell or a cage match or thumbtacks. I've never heard someone saying that it was too bloody or if it was, or if it was fake. Just never heard it. Have you? Um, no, I mean, I quickly think back to, I mean, we had, you know, Nick Nick Gage versus Jericho. Don't remember. I'm sure there was. I'm not going to say no. I mean, to say, no, I never heard. I mean, I'm sure it was out there, but not to the level I've seen. The thumbtacks ones really threw me off because, I mean, this we, we went through this. Like, this is literally the anniversary of the Lights Out match where they, and they had thumbtacks. I'm not, I'm not crazy, right? I remember them being thumbtacks last year, right? Absolutely. So I don't know why all of a sudden out of nowhere you think the thumbtacks were fake. Um, I mean, shit, I, I, it was so bad. Aubrey Edwards was was a pincushion as well because she she decided to slide in the thumbtacks to make the count. And I would have been like, yeah, I would have been over there in the corner counting it. So, um, you know, no, they those women, you know, and when I give what I when I said what I said, it was just to say a different style because those women put each other through hell last year and they did it again. Um, is you know for me it was just doing it in a different style of a matchup, but they they gave you everything they had. Those doing those spots, especially for me, it was more of the uh, the chairs. The you know also that was you know setting that up that pyramid or whatever that was was insane. Yeah, I just like it. Just um, put some respect on their name. They went and went out there and uh, put their bodies through hell. Uh, to uh, entertain and take this women's division to a whole nother level. And I just, anyone questioning that and their, you know, and how they choose to perform, you don't like blood, turn the channel. Okay. That's simple. You don't like blood, turn the channel, but these women are tough as nails. 
It was amazing. It was a great match. Great way to end uh, this week's Dynamite in San Antonio. Hard, I mean, you know what? This is how you do it. Hometown person and their hometown. Big match. Big win. Everybody's celebrating. She's kissing her family on the sideline. The people from Mission Pro Wrestling is there. That's exactly how this title win was supposed to happen. This is exactly how the title win was supposed to happen. When Britt Baker won the title, her mom and dad was in the front row. Tony Schiavone comes out and hugs her out there. You know, AEW does title changes about as well as any company I've ever seen in the history. They pick the right moments, whether it's a heel winning it or a face winning it. They always make the moment special. It always matters. Do you agree with that? Um, with the exception of Jurassic Express, but yeah, I agree with that. Oh, yeah, Jurassic Express kind of got crapped on because somebody's arm bent in half. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I can say how that... I feel like the it would have been a great moment had Ray Phoenix's arm not bent in half. And no, they just shouldn't have beat Lucha Bros, but that's another discussion for another day. Uh, yes. All right, so on to AEW Rampage. Uh, we, we It came on uh, right after the NCAA uh, tournament on Friday. Uh, we went straight into a match, Darby Allin versus Butcher. Uh, the Butcher... Uh, they, the butcher dominated the match. He looked strong. He looked physical, but in the end, um, oh, okay. Yes. It, it's called a code red. That's what that, uh, sunset flip is called. Right. If you say so, you <laughs> Darby Allen hits, hits big butch with a, a code red on the outside. Then he, uh, goes to the top and just like, my new favorite wrestler. He he does it with no uh, uh, no regard for his own body. He does a coffin drop from the top rope to the outside of the ring, landing square on Butch. He jumps in the ring. Butcher is not able to answer the ten. He wins by ten. Uh, wins by a countout. Me and Jr. see this match differently. I thought this made Butcher look strong. Darby Allen wasn't able to get to one, two, three on him. But he he did have to you know take you know physical size. He took advantage, hit his move where he could, and got the count out. I think it looked made Big Butch look strong, but also made Darby look really resilient. Jr. thinks, and I'll let Jr. tell you what he thinks. Um, my thing is at the end of the day, oh, even though it's a count out finish, it was he hit his finisher and couldn't get it to a count of ten, which to me that's the same as. And the way he did it is where he says, like, I, I think I'm almost up. And then he collapses down. It wasn't like, oh, he was like, you know, it was seven. He got up at nine and then couldn't make it back to the rope. I mean, he basically, you know, he collapsed. He, he was out of it. He was face down when Darby Allen, you know, what hand was raised. So, uh, I mean, the butcher put Darby Allen, I mean, threw his ass around like a boomerang and, I just, yeah, not for me. Uh, I think I just, it's crazy how much Darby Allen gets his ass whooped, especially by bigger men, whereas Brian Cage, like in the past, or Will Hobbs, we've seen, and just somehow just keeps coming and coming and, and gets these W's. But um, I tell you this, though, Floyd, you, you notice today on this on this Rampage show, because as you know, as most you know, know, 
most of the rampages, with the exception of like when it's near pay per view, most of the rampages are taped the same night as, as Dynamite. So this was in the same arena, San Antonio. That ring looked a lot smaller when you started seeing some of these bigger boys in there, like the butcher. Uh, I felt than than what we saw on uh, Wednesday on Wednesday on Dynamite. The butcher and uh, and later we saw uh, Keith Lee. That that ring looked awfully small with them big boys. They did. They did. Uh, that is that is just the nature of it. They they are very very large men. Uh, yeah. The other thing too, though, I, I will say this: when they they started, I I liked how they jumped. I never noticed it before until today. Uh, I end up uh, due to family obligations. I didn't get a chance to see Rampage until today. But when they jumped, when you jump into it, where they're already in the ring, it just feels like when they, it's something unique about it. Where it it kind of reminds you of kind of like it's Rampage, it's gritty. Like we're gonna let's get straight to the action and we're gonna see some ass kicking. Like it's just something about it just makes it feel different when you skip the entrances for Rampage. Compare it's late night, you know, late night fights like. I don't know. I, I can't explain it. It just feels different in, in a good way when they do it on Rampage. Absolutely. Completely agree with that. Uh, that I mean, it that gives it that big bike feel. It get, got me like, I didn't watch it until Saturday morning because I was already asleep when it was time for it to come on. Uh, it, but it just got me right into it. It was like, it's time to watch wrestling. You know, there is no like, oh, the entrance and all that stuff. Let me go. Let me turn the channel on this, or let me let me uh, iron some clothes, or whatever in the hell people do. I don't I don't iron clothes, but maybe fold some laundry. No, you don't have time to do that. It's time for wrestling right out the gate, and I love that. Uh, the next thing was it was uh, Red Velvet versus Layla Hirsch. Uh, we had a decent match. Uh, Red Velvet started getting the better uh, of legit Layla. Legit Layla went to her new finisher, which is grabbing a piece of the turnbuckle to hit her opponent with and beat them. But uh, Chris Statlander come, came out in all black with just a little paint on her face, completely different look. She took the uh, uh, pipe from Layla Hirsch. Red Velvet then hits her. Uh, uh, Red Velvet then rolls up uh, Layla Hirsch for the win. Um, I don't have a lot to say about this match. This was uh, this was to get eventually back to Layla Hirsch and Chris Statlander. I'm imagining it's going to be some kind of no DQ falls counting anywhere match. So I'm interested in that, but I didn't think that the Red Velvet match was anything to speak of. Do you have any thoughts, sir? No, I, it was definitely just set up set up the next part of the Statlander and Layla Hirsch storyline. I just I'm very excited because like, as we talked about earlier with FTR. Now with Statlander, um, not obviously going from a baby face to a heel, but we've known Statlander as being the fun-loving, you know, alien. And now we're, you know, seeing kind of Layla brought out the darkness in her. And, you know, let's see how she uses this because she looks phenomenal uh, That on Friday night from her, you know, her new gear to her facial expressions. Like, she looks determined, like... I'll say this: She reminded me of the, of the Terminator, kind of. You know, in all honesty, like she has, she has her enemy in sight, and she's gonna do everything she can to cause bodily harm to that woman. And I see Layla is kind of the jungle boy of the women's division. And the way I say that is, they kind of they brought her in. You know, she was very new in the training and all that kind of stuff. I think maybe a couple years or whatever, maybe two or three years. 
and she was going to be the future. You know, you had Britt, Nyla, Rio. They were all going to be the immediate. But Chris Statlander was a long-term build towards the future. I you you know just like you saw Jungle Boy, he was real quiet, never talked, and you saw him get that more serious side and then start cutting promos. I think this was Chris Statlander's light switch flip because Jungle Boy went away from really being Jungle Boy and playing up to Jungle Boy to now he's a kind of a, just a serious professional wrestler. That's what Christian brought to him. Now Chris Statlander seems to me uh, taking that turn too, and I like it. All right, then we had Malachi Black, Buddy Matthews, and Brody King, better known as the House of Black versus Bear Country and Oklahoma Zone, Fuego Del Sol. I mean, it's, I mean, it was a squash match. So I don't know what else to say. What did you think of the match? Did you have any thoughts, sir? I'll say this: um, I Fuego knows how to sell an ass whooping because. When he went flying off that turnbuckle, he ate that forearm by Brody King. I mean, I thought he was dead. And shout out to my boy Fuego. I love him. I think he's one of the best sellers in professional wrestling that I see. If you need to get somebody over to look like a, a million dollars in a victory, go go get Fuego because that dude's gonna he's gonna sell as as Lisa Erlat said. Uh, he's gonna sell like he's going to the electric chair. Super, super talented professional wrestler, uh, Fuego. I've literally seen him wrestle outside of AEW about 10, 20 times. Never seen him have a bad match. The dude is so talented. And, you know, you need him there. He's one of those people. You need him there. Because he makes any ass whooping, he makes it look twice as good. I'm just hoping he gets to the point where he's sticking around. I know he's signed with AEW now. I just want him to stick around for the long haul. Um, let's see. What do we do? Are we at the main event? It's time for the main event. We, well, yeah. It wasn't in the main event. Keith Lee versus Max Caster. Yeah. I mean, Max Caster did a good job. Uh, Keith Lee hits his, uh, big bang, uh, catastrophe to get the win. And, uh, Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. Attacked Lee until who came out to say whose house? Swerve's house. Swerve uh, Strickland came out to make the save. JR, first, tell me what you think about the match. Then tell me what you think about what happened afterwards. Um, I, I just love how they're building up Keith Lee. Uh, and, you know, Mac, Mac, you know, that's another team. I, the acclaimed, we, I talked about 2.0, the acclaimed. Our great heel team because of what Matt Caster can do on the promo um, skills, and they just have a great look to them. Uh, and but I mean, this was Keith Lee had to get over. And when you add, I think the problem is is as you move forward, is the singles division is a little bit murky, messy right now. So this is a way to get what they're doing with with Swerve Scott uh, is essentially to get both these guys to get a lot of shine. But not to get to a situation where I think for right now that no one's calling for an immediate, you know, get to the TNT title. Because that's to me, that's where it's going to lead to is that with what you do with Keith Lee is like and especially what he did in this previous company, 
is like I think a lot of people and I myself because I'm a massive Keith Lee fan is like get that boy to the title. It's like, well, let's slow it down a little bit. Uh, let's, this is going to be a good feud because we know Will Hobbs and Ricky Starks are capable of, and we know Ricky Starks is capable of on the mic. And so this is the team Taz versus these two guys is going to get both these baby faces for a complete the rub they need in AEW, and it's going to put out some entertainment, uh, entertaining matches. I don't know what's going to go on here, but I do notice a correlation of something. Remember when Will Hobbs turned on Brian Cage, or not Brian Cage, yeah, when Will Hobbs uh, joined Team Taz, I forgot who he turned on. But remember when he joined Team he t- Taz? He turned on he, tur- he turned on uh, on Darby and Cody. Yeah, remember when he turned on them, right? Every time Will Hobbs would come down to the ring, he would come down to the ring and Team Taz would immediately leave, and there would never be any physical contact. What happened on Friday night? I see what you're saying. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying that one match correlation. They never actually swerve swerve has never actually touched Ricky Starks or Will Hobbs. Whose house? Swerve's house. And he comes off kind of hillish. Like his whole gimmick comes off hillish. So lining, lining, aligning with Team Taz seemed like it might make some sense. We will see. All right. Well, that was Rampage for this week. So that was Dynamite and Rampage real quick. Like real, real, real quick. Uh, We're going to uh, do a preview of next week's show. There's only two matches and one segment announced. So we got the Hardy Boys, Sting. Well, the Hardy Brothers. Sting and Darby Allen versus Butcher, the Blade, and Private Party. Then we got Jericho and Garcia versus Silver and Reynolds. And then MJF Speaks. Uh, sir, you excited about any of these segments going forward next week? Um, yeah, man, we get Sting back in the ring. Oh, I mean, this is a... Oh, yeah, it's a Texas Tornado match. Forgot to yeah, that out there. They're going to... I believe this, this uh, show is taking place in Austin, Texas. In the HEB Center, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I mean they're gonna freaking carry. They're gonna eight men, especially. I mean we saw what Sting did, you know, at Revolution, and so now you're gonna get those same men, Sting, Darby, and now you're you know all the Private Party, the Hardys. I mean I expect them to be jumping off every single rafter in that damn arena. Yeah, uh, Sting in Texas. I mean you can't go wrong. With Sting in Texas, tickets still for sale. So if you live in Texas, go get some tickets. Again, my commitment not to do as much. I will be missing the show in Texas. Hurts my soul, but whatever. MJF Speaks is the segment I'm most excited about. I want to know if he does introduce a new heavy or if he just you know throws Sean Spears. Of course, he's going to go in on Wardlow. He's going to sue him, all that good stuff. But I want to know the physical aspect of it. Does CM Punk show up? What's going on? Also, I did get received news that CM Punk is uh, in Georgia recording, uh, doing an episode of Heels, doing an episode of Heels, the Stephen Amell show on Stars. 
Stephen Amell also posted a picture with Dave Bautista, so I'm like, I don't know if that means anything, but I thought that was pretty cool. But, yeah, so CM Punk might not even be on the show this week. I don't know. That is complete speculation. I'm not saying I know anything, but with, you know, when they record the TV shows, sometimes it does take a week or two. So, and it'll give you know give time for Hangman and uh, Hangman and Cole to work out their shit, because you know CM Punk's like I got next over here. But that is your preview for Dynamite. It was a very short preview because they haven't announced a lot of uh, a lot of matches or anything. So I am looking forward to next week. Uh, Jr. Before we get out of here, do you got anything left to add, sir? Nope. It's just. It's a very fun time because we are coming up um, today as we're recording on Sunday, if I'm doing my date correctly, today's the 20th. In the next two months, we have WrestleMania weekend and we have Double or Nothing and it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. Yes, I am very excited for that. So, uh, I, JR, you can definitely catch him online at Lucha Professor, right? Correct. At Lucha Professor. Uh, you can follow me at Floyd Johnson Jr., but you know me. I always point you to at AT Elite Pod. That's the site of the page. I definitely uh, post updates when we have them there. Uh, but yeah, this show will be out Monday morning, March 21st. I uh, thank you for all that listening, and I just want to leave you with this. Uh, man, uh, it's just. You know, at this time of year, we're heading to spring. The sun's about to start shining. I'm just going to say get out. Get out. Touch sun. Touch grass if you don't already get out. And, you know, go see a movie. Do something. Enjoy life. Uh, we only get one of these. So with that, I will leave you how I always leave you. Whether it is home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.